a series of sermons on the miracles of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. There are seven miracles, and today we're looking at the final miracle, the seventh one, perhaps the greatest and most spectacular miracle that our Lord Jesus performed, the raising of Lazarus from death. To get us started in the story, I just want to read the first three verses of, of John chapter 11. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and ask that you pardon me right now because this story in that song touches my heart. And sometimes I just can't control my emotions when I realize how great our God is and how much he loves us. And I don't know what you think about preaching or what preaching is to you. To, to me, preaching is doing a couple of things. It's telling you what has happened in the Word of God, but it's also telling you how this applies to your life. And this is such a real-life story. You may never see Jesus raise someone from the dead like he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, but I'm here to tell you he is doing greater miracles than that today. As he raises people from their sins and gives them new life. So anyway, wow. I hadn't even started preaching yet, but it feels good. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, the one you love is sick. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us today from your word and through your spirit. Tell us what we need to hear and change our lives today. We ask it in your name. Amen. Now guys, I'll tell you right up front, I plan on taking two Sundays to unpack this particular miracle of Jesus. Uh, let me just give you a quick glimpse of what we're looking at in, in John chapter 11. Just a synopsis of what is going on in this period of four days. Day number one, Mary, her sister Martha, and their brother Lazarus was some of Jesus' best friends. They lived in a town called Bethany. Lazarus, the brother, becomes critically ill and the sisters know that if Lazarus is going to live, his only hope is in their friend Jesus. So a messenger is sent to Jesus who is in a place called Perea that is about a day's walk away from their town of Bethany. Verse 4 tells us, when Jesus heard that, that is Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Day number two, the messenger returns to Bethany. By this time, Lazarus is dead. He's already been in the grave a day. But Jesus does something that is very difficult, I think, for us to understand. Verse 6 says, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was. That brings us to day number three. Jesus is totally silent as far as Lazarus is concerned. The disciples, knowing how close Jesus is to this particular family, and in particular Lazarus, must have wondered why in the world doesn't Jesus immediately go and do something for his friends. 
brings us to day four. Finally, Jesus takes that day's walk's journey from Perea to Bethany. By now, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Martha runs out to meet him. Mary stays home. Jump all the way down to verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will do it for you. Later, the other sister Mary comes out to meet Jesus, and all three of them go to the tomb where Lazarus was buried. Jesus commanded that the stone be rolled away from the tomb, and Martha says, oh, Jesus, I wouldn't do that. He's already been in the grave four days. His body is stinking. Don't, don't roll that stone away. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would only believe, you would see the glory of God? And so Jesus prayed this prayer, and he called for his friend Lazarus to come out of the grave, and out comes Lazarus from the grave, all wrapped up in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, Take those grave clothes off of him and let him go. And I'm saying, this is an amazing miracle. Stop and think about this. A man has died. His body has been wrapped in the grave clothes. He's been put in a tomb and he's been in there four days. Decay has already set in. But Jesus only spoke the word. And this guy came back to life and he walked out of the tomb. That is amazing. Woo! It's a miracle. But you know what? What is even more amazing to me than that miracle is the fact that Jesus called his shot. Have you been watching the NBA Finals? You know, it, it's real tense right now. If you're a Thunder fan, I don't know. I don't, man, I have no idea what's going to But I used to play basketball some and would play horse, and, and sometimes you'd, you'd have to call your shot. I'm going to bank it off the backboard. It's going to roll around the cylinder three times before it goes through the nylon. And then, you know, freak of nature, all of a sudden, I, I do something like that. And it, that really is a miracle. Just for me to have made the shot would be a miracle. But Jesus called his own shot here. Jesus is orchestrating everything that is going on. Remember when he first heard the news that Lazarus was sick? Exactly what he said in verse 4. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified through it. So Jesus called his shot right there. And four days later, he made it, man. Now, let me talk about the glory of God because this verse refers to the glory of God. The glory of God is the outshining of all of God's marvelous attributes. It is the outshining of who God is. It, it is us getting to see what God is like and what God can do. And Jesus is saying that as a result of this heartbreaking situation, these people were going to see something about Almighty God and about His Son Jesus that they would not have seen otherwise. And that's really important. In other words, God is going to take something really bad and He's going to turn it into something really good. And they get to be a part of it. They get to see it. Church, listen to me. There are some things that God cannot show us about himself without us going through some pain. 
and some suffering. Because you know what? When our life seems to spiral out of control and we are feeling pain and we are suffering, we wake up, don't we? We look inside us. We look around us. And all of a sudden we start learning things about God that we wouldn't have learned had we been on the mountaintop. Sometimes we got to go down in the valley to learn these true lessons about God himself. We would have not seen the glory of Christ's resurrection had we not also seen the pain of his crucifixion. So what attributes of God in the person of Jesus Christ did this tragic episode show these people? More than that, what attributes of God in the person of Jesus Christ should we expect to see during the darkest moments of our lives? Well, in this amazing miracle of John chapter 11, God is revealed in two marvelous attributes. We're only going to look at one of them today. Next week we're going to look at the other one. The first one is all about God's love. So the first attribute that I want you to see about God from this story is this. That is the love Jesus has for you. And if you don't get anything else out of our service today, I pray to God that you would be able to walk out of these doors today, this morning, knowing that above everything else, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about you. Now, I know that's probably not the first thing you would think about if your brother or your sibling got sick and died. You wouldn't be thinking, oh, how God must love me. No, not at all. No, that wouldn't be your first thought. And I doubt if it was Mary and Martha's first thought. But you know what? In time, if you just wait and look long enough, you will see the real love that Jesus has for you even through your darkest days. Mary and Martha did. The verses we read earlier show us that there was a deep relationship between Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Jesus. These three people were some of his best friends. He was a frequent guest in their home and they had sweet times together. I'm sure they gave Jesus a key to their house and said, Jesus, even if we're not in town, if you're passing through, our house is your house. What we have is yours. They were that kind of friend. but They truly loved each other. So we're not surprised when it says in verse number 3, Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus saying, Behold, Lord, he whom you love is sick. Notice the exact wording that John uses. The one you love, Lazarus, your best friend, is sick. And then a couple of verses down it says this in verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we have that love Two different times. Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 5, the Lord loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Interesting thing about it is there's a play on words here. In the Greek language, which our New Testament was written in, there are several words that were used to translate our word love. And when it says Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus about Lazarus' sickness, they said the one you love is is sick and the word used for love there is a word that it means emotional affection amongst family members and friends. A Angie referred to the to the uh, graduation we went to yesterday. Brock Archer graduated from Moore High School and, and it's it, to me it's always interesting to get together with the Archer family. Uh, they're just such a unique group of people. 
And uh, sometimes I can't handle all of it, so I just kind of step back and, and I observe and I watch. But it's a cool thing when, when I think there were 23 of them yesterday in that house and, and they were just talking and laughing and carrying on and being loud like they are. And, but here's what you know, they love each other. They care about each other. And that's the kind of love that it's talking about here. The, the love that a brother has for his sister, a sister has for her brother. It's a, it's a family kind of love that, you know what? If, if, somebody, if somebody is bullying him, you're going to stand up for him. And that's what Angie did for her younger brother Kelly, whose house we were at yesterday. He was, he was the little brother, and, and at school some, some bigger kids were, were picking on little Kelly, and so Angie, the big sister, went over there and beat him up. <laughs> Y'all didn't know that story about your pastor's wife, did you? So let me, can I just tell you something? Don't be messing with me. It, it's a family kind of love, but you know what? The Bible tells us here, Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus more than they realized. Because when John makes the statement, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, he doesn't use that word for love that means a family kind of love. No, he uses another word for love. It's a special word that's only found in the New Testament. It's the highest kind of love that we can have. And it is a love that desires and wants the very best for another person despite what they get in return. It's God's love. It's agape love. It's a, it's a love that, that says and means, you know what? I am willing to give everything for you. The first kind of love is an emotional love. We feel the emotion for our family members. This is a different kind. Of, this is a devotion kind of love. I'm going to lay my life down for you kind of love. Now, here are three things I want you to write down about this kind of love that we learn about from Jesus in this passage. Number one, Jesus loves you more than you realize. Okay? Pretty simple statement, but it's true. Jesus loves you more than you realize. And this explains why Jesus did what he did down in verse number 6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I suppose our question might be, well, why didn't Jesus immediately go to Bethany when he learned that Lazarus was sick? I mean, if, if, if Jesus had, had just wanted to, he could have healed Lazarus by going there. He could have spoken the word and heals Lazarus. Why didn't he go? Well, I suppose the answer to that is this. If, if Jesus had, had just that kind of emotional love for them, an affection for them, he might have gone immediately. Because family members will do that for each other, won't they? But because his love for them was greater than that, and because Jesus had something greater in store for them later, he chose not to go. He delayed. Now, let me talk about that kind of love just for a second. God's love for us is not a pampering kind of love. When we think of love, we think that's what love is. If somebody wants something, I'll give it to them. I'll pamper them. So that when our little babies cry, we pamper them. We give them what they want. When our spouse is, is, is pouty and whiny, we, we pamper them. First service, people laugh more at that than you do. 
Maybe that's too real to you for you to even laugh at. I don't know. We think that's what love is. We pamper. That, that's not what God does to us. God doesn't pamper us. His love is bigger than that. It's greater than that. It's deeper than that. No, God's love is a preparing love. He loves us to the point He is preparing us for the hard days, the difficult days. He lets us go through hard situations. It, it, it's, it's His tough love. Not only is it a, a preparing love, His love is a perfecting love. He, he loves us in such a way that He's trying to perfect us into the very image of His Son, Jesus Christ. His love does not guarantee that we're going to be shielded from the problems of life. No, quite to the contrary. Just because we love Jesus and Jesus loves us, that doesn't give us a free pass through life's difficulties. But you know what? Even, even if God doesn't show up those first three days, even if God is silent and His delay seems unbearable, no matter what you are tempted to believe or think, you must never forget that, you know what? Jesus loves me. And even though he's not answering my prayer right now, doesn't mean that he's stopped loving me. Watch it. I went through a, a long period of time in my life where it just, it can, I'm going to step over here. When it felt like all hell was breaking loose in my life. And everything I thought I had nailed down was coming unnailed. My life was spiraling down, and every day I'd pray, God, it can't get any worse than this. And you know what? The next day it was worse. And I'm thinking, Lord, where are you? He didn't answer, he didn't answer, he didn't answer, he didn't answer. You know what? I look back on that time right now, and I think, you know what? That, that is the time in my life when I grew spiritually more than any other time in my life. I learned more about God and about life and myself during that time period than I did through all of Bible college or all of seminary. Because daily I was having to trust in Him. And even though He wasn't answering my prayer the way I wanted Him to answer it, and the way I expected him to answer it, he was still working in my life. That's the way he loves us. And I learned from Romans chapter 8 verse 37 this truth. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So it brings us back to verse 4. When Jesus heard that, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now, that doesn't mean Lazarus is not going to die, because Lazarus did die. What it means is this, death is not going to have the final word. <laughs> wow. It means that there is something greater at work here. This illness is not mainly about Jesus' good friend dying. 
This illness is about God doing something miraculous and teaching us a great lesson that's going to change the lives of millions of people. Well, after three days, verse 7 tells us, Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And then in the next few verses, the, the disciples protest and say, Jesus, you can't go back to Bethany. Your enemies are there. They, they just want to destroy you. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not going to happen. As, as long as the Father has work for me to do, I'm going to do his work. What he's saying is this, as long as God has something for me to do, I am both immortal and I am unstoppable. Now guys, you need to learn that lesson. As long as God has something for you to do, you don't have to worry about dying because you're not going to die until he's finished using you here. You are immortal. And as long as God has something for you to do, guess what? You are unstoppable. Through his power, you can do it. So he taught them that lesson through that passage as well. And then in verse 11, he, says, he said to them, uh, our friend Lazarus sleeps. But I go that I may wake him up. Now I want you to see that phrase, our friend Lazarus. There, there again you see the affection of Jesus toward this family. And, and the delay of Jesus not going immediately to Bethany to where Lazarus is sick is not a denial of his love for Lazarus. Lazarus is his friend. So listen to me. Look here. Look Everybody look here. My point is this. Jesus loves you more than you realize. You're his friend. Jesus cares about you. And, and that brings us to the second thing that I want you to see. Jesus' love gives us what we need the most. Not what we want, but what we need. Okay? His love gives us what we need most. Now, there are times when what God takes us through doesn't seem like He loves us. Did you hear me? I mean, your, your life can be so out of control and so off the radar and, and so bad that you think, God can't love me. There's no way God can love me. Have you ever been there to think that? Man, I, I have. I know exactly what I'm talking about. There, there are times when it's, there's no way God can love me through this, but he does. And I think it runs like this. Parents, do you remember when your, when your child was little and before they started school, you had to take them to get their series of, of vaccinations and shots? Okay, I, I went with Angie when she took Whitney, who's here today. Everybody say hi, Whitney. Uh, Whitney's a grown lady now, but I can remember when she was just a little toddler. We lived in Pine Bluff, and she was getting ready to go to school. And, and so I, I went with Angie to get her, her vaccinated, and I learned then, if we have any other kids, I'm not going to go. Because I'm telling you, I couldn't take it. You get them in there, they're, they're in the doctor's examination office. The, uh, the nurse comes in and she's got that, that, that needle. And your little kid looks up and sees something they've never seen before. And then they come to the realization that needle is about to go in my body. <laughs> and their eyes get big and the nurse pokes them with that shot. And, and the vaccine goes in and it burns, it hurts. And there are tears that roll down their eyes and they look up like... Mom, Dad, do something to stop this. It breaks your heart, doesn't it? Man, it, it, it hurts you and, and you want to just suck that nurse for hurting your baby. But you've got to let them go through that pain. Why? Because you love them. Your love gives them not what they want, but what they need. 
And I'm here to tell you, God's love is the exact same way in our own lives. What we need most is to see and experience the glory of God, to see the outshining of His excellent qualities that will make us love Him and worship Him. So, I'm, I'm here to tell you, Jesus doesn't always, always give us what we want. He doesn't always treat us that way. Sometimes, I'm here to tell you, it just it hurts. It hurts, but we got to know that He loves us. Jesus doesn't always keep bad things from happening to us because he knows there's something greater and something better and he's going to bring it out of us. What is that better thing in our story today? Well, let's continue on in verse 12. Then he said to his disciples, Lord, then his disciples said to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So, I mean, it's evident that the disciples didn't get it. They just thought Lazarus was sick, and he was at home in bed, and he was sleeping at all. So in verse 14, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you might believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And there it is. All right, Here's what I've been wanting you to see. It's right here. This is what Jesus is driving at through this whole thing. He said, for your sake, for your sake, I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you might believe. That's why all of this happened. Jesus is glad because he knows that he is bringing his followers to the reality of their greatest need, that they would see the glory of God and they would believe, that they would trust. And that brings us to number three. Write this down in your notes. What we need most is for our faith to be intensified. Huh? Jesus is about to do something that's going to reveal the glory of God. I'm here to tell you, he's going to give life back to a man who has been dead for four days. And as a result of this miracle, his disciples are going to believe like they've never believed before. Okay, They've been walking with Jesus some time now. They have seen some pretty awesome miracles, but they are about to see the big Mac Daddy, miracle of them all. I mean, miracles don't get any bigger than this. That first miracle we saw when Jesus turned the water into wine, that was something pretty spectacular, wasn't it? But this, this guy's been dead four days. He was already stinking. I'll talk a little bit about that next week, so come back for it, all right? And Jesus brought him back to life. Well, come on, guys. Wow, that is amazing. I guess the downside of it, most of us in this room are not going to get to see that kind of miracle for one of our family members. I, I, I mean, God could still do it, but I, I doubt we're ever going to see anything like that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Because all of us have seen a greater miracle than that. All of us have seen when God sent His only Son to Jesus into this world to rescue us from our sins. We, we have all got to see Jesus who rescued us from death, hell, and the grave. We have got to see that. God did that by allowing His Son to die in our place. 
when he heaped our sins upon the back of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on that old rugged cross. But three days later, God brought Jesus up from the dead, demonstrating that Jesus is God. Lazarus died, was put in the tomb four days. He came back to life, but you know what? He died again. He died again. Not Jesus, though. Jesus rose again, and Jesus lives forever to save those who call upon his name. Well, Jesus knows the greatest good that can come into our lives is for us to know this truth and for us to believe and for us to tap into the powerful resources of God through faith. I mean, you think about it. Is there any greater power than this power? The power to raise the dead. The power to change something that is dead and make it alive. Is there any greater power than that in the universe? No, absolutely not. And that power can be our power when we trust Jesus, when our lives are transformed, and when we tap into that wellspring of power. I don't know how many of y'all fly, but uh, maybe the last time you were on an airplane, do you remember uh, when the, right before the plane took off, right before it taxied out to take off, the flight attendant got, got up at the front of the airplane and she did her spiel? Y'all know the spiel? Uh, you know, they, they say all kinds of things, and I'm looking around at, at the other people on the airplane, and nobody's paying attention to the flight attendant. Except for the one person who, this is their first time to fly. And if they're a Catholic, they got their little beads out, and they're, you know, anyway, I've, I've, I've actually seen that, you know. And they're, they're hanging on every word the flight attendant says, but she's going to say something in her speech like this. In the event that this airplane suddenly loses pressurization, an oxygen mask is going to drop down from the compartment above you. Secure the mask over your nose and mouth and breathe normally. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, are you serious? If I'm 35,000 feet in the air and this, this, this engine over here blows and my plane is spiraling down, do you think I'm going to breathe normally? Because we don't, do we? You know that about life. When your life gets out of control and when something really bad happens and you're spiraling down, you can't breathe, you, you can't even get a breath. And the cool thing is this, when that happens in our life, the God of heaven, through his son Jesus Christ, doesn't open the window of heaven and shout down to you, breathe normally. Just, just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. That's the pampering kind of love. He doesn't do that. He opens the window of heaven and he shouts out, Believe! It's not breathe. It's believe. Guys, that's what you got to do today. You got to believe. Your, your life can be changed today. Your situation can turn around today. But you've got to believe. And, and you're just not believing in this God of the... You're believing in the Son of God who loves you more than anybody else. He loves you. 
You get that? He loves you. I love the story about the uh, grandparents who go to see the grandbaby. I understand, I don't know this personally, but I understand that, uh, that whenever grandchildren are in the picture, the, the grandparents don't go to see their children, they go to see their grandbabies. Okay, all right? So this grandma and grandpa, they go to their daughter's house to see their grandbaby who's a little toddler, a little boy, and, and they have a big day. I mean, they have all kinds of fun. The, the granddad brings toys for the little baby to play with, and they have this great bond, and they're loving on each other. And About mid-afternoon, little grandbaby's getting tired. It's nap time. Getting a little cranky, okay? And so mama steps in. She's going to prove to her parents that she, you know, She's in control. She's a good mama. So she picks up the baby, puts the baby in the playpen, and says, now you lay there and you take a nap. And I don't want to hear a word out of you. You go to sleep right now. Her daddy, the grandpapa, standing over there in the corner of the room, kind of snickering as he's seeing this happening. You, you go to right now. Lay down. She turns around and walks away. Granddad's walking through the room. That little baby starts... Reaches up those little chubby hands. Out, Gramps! Out, Gramps! Grandpa's got a dilemma. I mean, what's he going to do? His daughter, the baby's mama, standing over there looking like this. Like, you, Daddy, don't you defy me in this because that's my... What's an old man to do? Really, what, what is an old man to do? He can't defy the authority of his daughter, the child's mother, but that little baby's wanting, wanting Gramps to take him out of there. He does the only thing love can do. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. It's pretty cool. Love finds a way, doesn't it? Love finds a way. And I hope that through that little illustration you've seen the love of God because that's God. Love has found a way. He's left his throne. He's come down here not to a playpen, but a, pen, sin, a pit of sin where we're dying. We're crying out. Daddy, help. And he got in it with us. So would you believe today? Would you trust him with your life and with your problems? He loves you. Lord, help us to sense that love today and yes, even feel it. We know it. Because we've read it here in the Word of God. Help us to sense it and feel it. And to lay hold of it. Lord, for my friend here today that needs to come and be saved. May they step out in faith and believe today. Accept the fact that they are a sinner. Believe that Jesus can save them and confess Jesus as Lord of their life. May they do that this morning at this altar. Lord, for the rest of us. We're just having problems as we live life. May we come to you and trust you and believe in you 
and tap into those supernatural resources that are available through faith. Lord, do something special. Just as you did at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus 2,000 years ago. Lord, do something just as special here. Help us to know you are God. We'll praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand as these guys sing.